And so today I thought it would, be, it would be edifying and wise for us to break down one of those grand Christian songs of the faith that we sing during Christmas that should bring comfort to our souls. And I'm talking, of course, of Santa Claus is coming to town. So let's take a look at, uh, I want to take a look at this. Um, is coming to town. Is this a doctrinally correct song? Uh, can, we, can we lean our lives on this during the Christmas season? So uh, let, let's take a look at the words. You better watch out. Okay, that's very biblical. Jesus said that over and over again. He said, I'm returning soon, and you better keep watch, keep alert. So we should be watching out for the... You better not cry, you better not pout. Okay, crying... Of course, blessed are those who mourn, and we should mourn with those who mourn. So there's a good kind of crying, but there's also a pouting kind of crying. We're supposed to rejoice always, right? So don't be a whiner. Watch out. Don't be a whiner. Okay, that's all good and biblical. Is that me cracking? Need to go, uh, go handheld today? I can do that. If Mary could deliver in a manger, I can carry a handheld microphone for a few minutes. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay, is, is God coming to town? Is Jesus, yeah, Jesus' is second coming. So we are watching out for the second coming, and we shouldn't be whiners. So far, so good. Uh, he's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. Is that biblical? Oh, God's made a list. It's like the whole Old Testament. Have you read it? God has made a huge, long list of do's and don'ts. We call it the law. And the law is very much a part of our ongoing relationship with God. Our our, our epistle reading today is where we're going to base this uh, analysis of Santa Claus is coming to town. If you have a Bible, open it up to Titus chapter 3, but I'll also be rereading it for you. Titus basically turns to the law and gives us a naughty list, a list of things where he actually comes to the church and says, don't do these things. And Pastor Allen just read these things. So Titus's naughty list, part one of that naughty list is in verse three. And he says, we ourselves were once foolish. Let's see if I've been foolish. Yeah. Every time I choose to sin, choose to do what I want to do instead of what God has said to do, I'm a fool. So I've been foolish. I know it. Uh, disobedient, check. Led astray. Uh, you know, I am surrounded by advertisers who actually think that my security is in my 401k and my insurance and not in the Lord. I mean, I get so duped by these people who tug on me, make me nervous, make me fearful, make me uh, possessive of wanting more stuff, feeling like I'm a better person if I have more things. I get led astray, especially if I get too much media in my life and especially around the holidays. Passions and pleasures, slaves to various passions and pleasures. I'm guilty. I have appetites, whether it's for food or for watching sports or some of my creature comforts. I get caught up in those. Malice. Okay, I admit it. I have said some negative things about some political figures. Um, I've actually heard that there is even some malicious talk that happens in churches about things that go on in church. Can you imagine such a thing? What a terrible thing. Envy, yeah, I came in today and went, Kai, Alan's robe looks so much better than mine. That's very envious. He's envious of my hairline, but I digress. Okay. Um, Hated by others, I know I've hurt some people. I can think of some people right now who are a little bit upset with me. And am I upset with others? (sighs) 
I look at this naughty list and I fail it. I look at the law and I fail it. And if God is making a list, checking it twice, I fail it. In verse 8, 9, 10, 11 of Titus, Titus, uh, Paul goes on to tell Titus, it's like a church-focused naughty list. He says to people in the church, avoid foolish controversies. Like that would ever happen in church. I've heard tell that there's people who actually get angry and malicious about talking about things like changing service times or about what the pastors are supposed to wear. Can you, can you believe that? Genealogies. There's people who actually think our tradition is primarily German. It's primarily Northern European. We don't need to be international. We don't need to be intercultural. We don't need to be intergenerational. It's all about who... Can you imagine that there's people who are like that? Dissensions. There, I've heard that there's people who actually would argue and get frustrated over whether or not the organ's being played. Can you imagine that? Organist? I, I can't imagine that that's really true. Quarrels about the law. See, I always thought theological arguments were somehow kind of cool. But when you just argue and bicker over truths, in the, even in the Bible, that's on the naughty list too. Paul says they're unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, oh, stir up divisions. I mean, I, occasionally I have a negative opinion about something and I, I kind of share it with my neighbor just to see if they have that same negative opinion because, well, you know, misery loves some company. And no, I'm never trying to steer people to share my negative opinion. No, I never, that's stirring up dissension. Does that ever happen in church? God forbid. After warning a person like that and then twice have nothing more to do with that person, knowing that such a person is, uh-oh, warped, Sinful, self-condemned. Back to the song. He sees us all the time. He sees us when we're sleeping. He knows when we're awake. That's true about God. He knows if we've been bad or good. He knows that we're actually failures on the naughty list and that we're warped and that we're sinful and we stand self-condemned. Uh-oh. And some of you are going, well, you know, I bat about 500 on the naughty list. I'm not completely naughty. But just as a reminder in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. We have shredded the naughty list. We've broken it. And God doesn't have to check it twice. He gets it right the first time, always. He has found us out. The naughty list has doomed us. That's the dilemma that we have at Christmas. We long for God to come, but if he's making a list and checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, and we know that we're going to be naughty, do we really want God to come? Am I like my, my uh, brother-in-law, Mark, who panics at the thought of Santa coming to town because he doesn't know if it's going to be good news or not? We need resolve here because we're law breakers and we're, we're naughty. Say it after me. I'm naughty. Okay. You also said that just a minute ago when we did our confession of sin, we collectively said, God, we're naughty. Is there anything for us? And here comes in the book of Titus of all places, one of my favorite Christmas passages. So again, if you've got your Bible open to it, Titus 3, verse 4 and following, this is the good news. 
when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. That's us trying to not be on the naughty list. We're trying to do the nice list. But according to his own mercy. That's what we need. That time when you did that thing and your parents found out about it, you're just thinking, Lord, have mercy on me. Dad, have mercy on me. Right now, I just need for my dad not to whack me for what I just did. And dad goes, I'm just going to show mercy on you. Just go, oh, thank you. That's us with God. Without God showing mercy, we are doomed. But with mercy, and beyond that, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. What's that? When we're baptized, when we, are, we, we have the Holy Spirit poured over us, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are immersed into the fullness of God himself poured over us, which gives us forgiveness of our sins, mercy, and even more than that, so that being justified by his grace, not by our good actions, but we have right standing with God because he's been gracious and merciful to us. We might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And there's that future again. We have a, we have a future. Not only has Jesus come and we might've been nervous because we're naughty list kids, but he has come and he's shown us mercy. And not only that, now he gives us a hope and our future is secure too. That's Christmas. That's what we celebrate. It could have gone badly. It could have been more like what happened to the days of Noah when God visited the planet then and judged it. Jesus is returning to judge the planet again, but those who have been washed through baptism and are believers in the Christ are on the nice list because of Jesus. So again, back back to the song here. Even though we're naughty, he treats us as nice. But, but even more than that, it's not just that he treats us nice. The Bible says that he makes us nice. Through his mercy and then his baptism, he gives us the spirit. He renews us. He instills us with his grace. He's gracious to us. And nicest of all, he makes us righteous. We're actually not only off of the naughty list, but we have been made nice. You go, I know some Christians who haven't been made nice. They don't seem very nice to me. But they have the capacity for niceness now because they aren't stuck as slaves to their sin. They now have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in them. They could be nice. And according to the text, we ought to be getting nicer and nicer. So and th- that kind of leads us on to the, the next part of the naughty list. The most profound line in the song, I think, that brings Titus all together. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good. Next slide. For goodness sake. That's what saves this song from just being a works trip and a panic for us. He knows if you've been bad or good. He knows you're a sinner, but if he has poured out his mercy on you, if he's poured out his spirit on you, he's poured out his grace on you, and he's redeemed you and saved you and made you nice, then now be good, you, now be good. Not so that you will earn your way onto the nice list, but be good for goodness sake. And who is the goodness? 
Well, we read about that in, the, in, in verse 4 of Titus. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Father appeared. The goodness is Christ. So why are we good? Not to earn it, but because of what God has done, we are motivated to be good. Not trying to be the best, that's a dead end. But be good because goodness and loving kindness has come to us. So Titus provides us with a nice list. You're going, I failed the naughty list. Is there any chance I could do well on the nice list? Well, it says here, remind them, Titus, uh, Paul says to Titus, remind the church, be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be good citizens. Don't trash talk your politicians. If you can't say something nice about your politicians, don't say anything at all. Oh, but, I, but I've got to. I've got to bash them. I've got to get on Facebook and I've got to go on a rant. You don't. You should be submissive. And we're going to get to the bottom one about uh, oh, wow, uh, being courtesy towards people. Submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient. Let's do that. Be good citizens. Be ready for every good work. Posture yourself during the day. Get out of bed and go, I might be able to do something nice for somebody today that I'm not expecting. And I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to be versatile. I'm going to be on my game so that if a need comes my way, I'm going to be able to meet it. I'm going to be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. My mama used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Don't, no evil out of our mouths. Even about that other political party, no evil out of our mouths. <laughs> Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. That's on the nice list. Be gentle and show perfect courtesy towards all people. And nice list part two goes down to verse eight where the apostle Paul says, this is, a, this is a trustworthy saying and I want you to insist on these things. Insist on them. That's where your pastors come to you with the word of God and say, this, is, no, this, this isn't just an option. I am insisting that you have, if you've been born again through the waters of baptism, you're walking with God. We insist with a Bible in our hand, the word of God insists that you apply yourself to these things. Be good for goodness sake, not for your sake. You've been made good by God. Now you walk in that goodness. We insist on it. Wow. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Is that you? I am careful. I want to make sure I am devoted from my heart to doing good for other people. Is that you? Paul says, I insist on it. You have to be that kind of person in light of what God has done at Christmas. And he says, these things are excellent and profitable for people. We're to be excellent. We can be because Jesus has come. We're to be profitable. We can actually live in such a way that the... All boats rise in our world. We bring profit, not loss, to the bottom line of living, not only for ourselves, but for others. That's Christmas. So it's easy to come and say on Christmas, oh, we're so terrible, but God has shown mercy. That's true. But God has done more than show mercy and just give you forgiveness. He has poured himself in, into you with potential. In, in a sense, you are now God's gift to the world because of who he's made you to be. But if you just keep yourself wrapped under the tree for the rest of your days, what a waste. You are somebody and you are something. 
you can change the world. And Paul says, I insist on it. Now, I was going to share this, but I'm going to share this. My mother, bless her heart, she's 85. She lives alone in Paso Robles, California. I wish I could be with her today, but I work for a living. So uh, it's good to be here. Uh, We'll talk on the phone in in a couple minutes here. But my mother, my father passed away 12 years ago, unexpectedly. And since then, my mom has said this. Bless her heart. I hope she doesn't, she doesn't do internet, so she won't listen to the podcast. So I think I could be candid here. She said, Bill, I'm just in the waiting room. I'm just, I'm just ready to go to heaven. I'm just wondering why God is keeping me around. The apostle Paul would sit my mother down and say, <laughs> I insist, Nancy, that you be div- careful to devote yourselves to living out the life that God has given to you to live. That's Christmas. It's not just cozy, and it's not just accounts cleaned. It's now new life launched in you. Are you going to receive that gift from God? Because that's the gift that can change the world completely. He has made us nice so we can be nice. And through that, Advent is over, but we continue to watch out. We're not going to pout because Jesus is coming to town. Maranatha, come quickly again, Lord Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for coming. Thanks for Christmas. What a gift you were to us. And what's amazing to us, God, is that you have come now and you have wrapped us up and put a ribbon on us and a tag on us from Jesus to the world. We're now a gift of good works, of niceness, of perfect courtesy and gentleness, actively ready, at the ready always to do a good thing for our neighbor. You now give us to the world. Lord Jesus, might we walk in the fullness of that, looking expectantly for how you might be using us because of how you saved us. And Lord, would you please use us to draw more and more people to this true reality of Christmas, bring salvation to them as well. We pray all of this in the name of the Jesus who saves. Amen. Amen.